that theme music can only mean one thing. They say an apple a day keeps the doctor away, but uh, there must be supply chain disruptions because he's back. Dr. Derek Leininger, we're going to talk about the things that you want to talk about, Derek. You've got some time here. You're on a quick uh, spring break from your doctor duties. Doctor, uh, what are you, doctor of education, right? Is it an EDD? Uh, doctor of philosophy in educational leadership. Okay, well, I've got other things I want you to check out, but I don't think that's going to work. So, uh, and every, anytime Derek comes on, we got to hear from his daughter, who's got a joke. What do you get? What do you got for us? Hi, Georgia. I say, Georgia, yeah, should I say her name? Um, well, um, these two guys I know, Colin and Derek, were traveling to record a new episode of the podcast. Then they were getting pretty hungry and they wanted to stop somewhere for lunch. So they entered the town of Louisville, Kentucky. Colin said, look at the sign, we're in Louisville. But Derek replied, that's not how you pronounce it. It's Louisville. The S is silent. Colin said, no, I'm pretty sure I'm right. How can we prove it? Derek said, how about we ask someone in the restaurant when we stop for lunch? They both agreed. And so they walked through the doors of the restaurant. Derek said to the man at the counter, can you please tell my friend here, really slow and clear, where are we right now? And the man looked pretty puzzled and he said very slowly and clearly as asked, Burger King. Hit him with it. <laughs> I know I should be above this. She just, it's an audio. It's an audio medium, but on the Zoom, Georgia just took a fake mic and dropped it. That's how we do it here in Fort Wayne. Oh, yes, this is Fort Wayne's world. The two Fort Wayne boys here. Well, you grew up in Columbia City, but you now moved to Fort Wayne. You've been moving up. I moved down, geographically speaking. Although, actually, is is Fort Wayne north of Columbia City? No, it's east, right? It's slightly south. East and slightly south. Okay, so you moved over and slightly down. <laughs> All right. Well, Derek, uh, when I think of you, many things come to mind. But one of the big things is that... We've based a lot of our training where I coach the 400 and the 800 off of what you did at uh, Fort Wayne Snyder. Shout out Fort Wayne. Fort Wayne, I was just looking through this today. Fort Wayne has had a lot of state championship four by four teams over the last decade. Okay, so one of the things I've texted you about frequently as I kind of look through state meet results from last year, figuring out who's going to be good. Uh, who's not, things like that. I guess there's 404 schools in Indiana. I probably wasn't thinking of who's not going to be good. Um, Add one more the, to the list of who's yeah, not who, going to be good. Who are the best teams? Uh, who's returning? Obviously, especially on the boys' side, it's a lot of um, it's a lot of older kids, right? So it's a lot of juniors and seniors in these events. In 2021, Derek, the winner of the four by 400 ran 318.9. Yes. Carmel, shout out. Yes. And the ninth place team ran, I'm pausing for dramatic effect, 324.44. Okay. 
What do you make of that? Um, so I think some of that can be chalked up to COVID. Some like just performances in some of the events were just down. Okay. But but some like of four and were, four by eight, right? In the yeah, four by eight, eight oh three scored. Yes, which is which is certainly um, which is certainly not as, as fast as it, as it typically has been. Um, but they're like the, the short sprints were were as fast as ever. Like they were like there were still 13 schools last year under 43 seconds in the boys four by one. There are still 16 girls teams under 49 in the girls four by one. Um, so it wasn't like you can chalk it all up to COVID because you still had some really good performances, particularly in the short the short sprints. So here, here's what I make of it, Colin. Here's my, here would be my overriding thought, and it, this might this might offend some people. And I've got I've got some other times if you want to go back and go through those. Do you want to hear some of them first? Uh oh, okay. Okay, so you had mentioned COVID was a a possible scapegoat essentially for these slower times, and so I went through. I looked at three different state meets in the last half hour. 2021, 2019, and 2010. In 2019, the winning team ran 317.19. That was a team from Fort Wayne South. Shout out, Fort Wayne. My grandfather graduated from Fort Wayne South. It's a very old school. Yes. And in 2019, the ninth place team was 320.94. So that would, that would jive with the one thing you said, which is COVID really killed kind of the depth of these teams because you can't run stars aren't going to get it done right i mean yes a star if you've got a kid that runs 47 flat but you'd still need to surround him with three straight 50 flats to run 317 flat yeah do you remember what the winning time was in 2010 to the hundredth of a second 31 yes nailed yep. it 316 you know 31 I do know why. You, who, you want to tell them? Should I tell them? You want to tell them? No, Should I tell them? No, because that was us. That's why. That was us being Snyder, Fort Wayne Snyder, Fort, baby. Fort Wayne Snyder. Fort Wayne okay. World. Do you remember what the ninth place time was in in twenty ten? That was a fast year. At least the top five or six teams were all pretty quick. Yes, ninth wasn't quite as fast. So okay, in the I, sense that a, the the driver of a race car going three hundred miles an hour is not as worried about other pit crews. You probably don't remember this. Uh, I remember I remember with like 250 meters to go, there were six schools that could win it, which yes. and then, and um, there was probably a gap, but that's because we didn't let them catch up, Colin. That was our strategy that year. Well, we can don't, get into that. Okay, so, so ninth place was 321.10. So actually in 2010 okay. and 2019, the ninth place team and ninth is meaningful because that's the last team to earn medals, right? It's yep. the last all split, all state relay they're separated by just a quarter of a second you'd actually kind of think maybe in nine years they'd get a little faster just based on technology increasing population things like that i'm not sure how much things in i'm not sure how much the population increased over 10 years but in 2019 do you know how many teams ran 317 or faster one exactly and obviously last year, no teams ran that fast. Right. 3.18.90 was the best time that year. And I will say, too, in the defense of the team that won, they were, we were never pushed all year. In fact, at one point before the tournament started, the best time was Carmel, and the second best time was a tie between 
I believe it was Fisher's and Carmel's straight up B team. So it had never been pushed. Do you know how many teams ran 317 or faster in 2010? Probably four or five. Five. Five yeah. teams ran either 316 or 317. Yeah, that was a fast race. Okay, so what is going on? Okay, so here's here's and it's this, not just Indiana. Insert hypothesis here. Okay. okay. This is my thesis statement. This is my thesis statement. Coaches are not training 400 runners properly. Ooh. And what I mean is we are training everybody who's not a distance runner like they're a 100-meter runner, and we're saying that their flying 10-meter or 20-meter time is like the, the end-all, be-all of track and field. And the only thing that matters in a – not the only thing, okay, back up. The most significant things that happen in a 400-meter race happen after the 40-second mark. So for boys, we're talking about 7 to 10 seconds. For girls, we're talking more like 15 seconds, um, maybe 20 seconds. Once you're past 40 seconds, the race really starts for a high school 400, okay? And if, you, if all you're doing is short, working on, a, working on our, you know, quick, we're trying to go fast, we're trying to – uh, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to mention names of programs, but like we're trying to be really quick here. And that's what it, then you're going to, you're going to have some pretty good four by ones. You're going to have a number of girls teams under 49, a number of boys teams under 43. You're not going to have a lot of good 400 runners because you're not preparing them for the race. You can't train a kid like they're a hundred meter runner and then hope for the best in a four by four, particularly on the, in the fact that that's probably their fifth race of the day. Okay. Um, and that's what we see in the state meet every year is these kind of patched together four by fours. And then we're surprised when we only have a couple teams under 320 or when we only have, you know, when ninth place is averaging over 51 seconds per, per athlete. Um, I, it doesn't surprise me, but I, it, it's not, and people might be offended by this, but we're not properly training 400 runs. And you're right. It's not just Indiana. It is, it is nationwide. I, I think the 400 meter is the weakest event in high school track. I think that is statistically true. I think it's true when I just observe it. I think it's true when I've learned how different programs are training. I think we undertrain 400 runners systematically in American high school track and field. So here, here's some other things that maybe uh, prove your point, which gosh, I hate to do, but sometimes I just can't help it. You I are the doctor. It. Okay. What did these three schools have in common? Thinking back to last, did you go to the state meet? No, you couldn't go because it was graduation, right? Yeah, graduation. Sure. Administrator. Yeah. yeah. But you followed along. One of your good friends is a coach of a, of a large team in the state. Fishers, Carmel, Bloomington North. What do those three schools have in common? In terms of four by four? No, just in general. Can you can you think of something? Fishers, Carmel, Bloomington North. I mean, they're they're pretty they're perennially very good track programs. Those schools finished in the top three in varying orders of the four by four and the four by eight. Ah. Now there were there was very little, if any, carryover between those relays. For instance, I know Carmel's first place four by four and second place four by eight shared no athletes. Sure. Fisher's shared at least one. No, it had to be two. 
Bloomington North, I'm, I'm not quite sure. But that kind of proves your point, right? Yeah. Schools that know how to train kids for the 800, there's a lot of carryover, and they're also doing it for the 400. Yet only one of those schools had a team that scored in the top three in the four by one. There you go. Here's, here's a stat for you, Colin. And I don't mean to offend you because this is going to be your school here, okay? If, if I'm we already assume, offended. Oh, good. If we assume, and I think this is a fairly, I think this is fairly accurate, a running start in a relay gives you about a half second advantage, okay? So if you can run in a, if you can run 50 flat in the open 400, you can split like 49 mid on a four by four. Okay. Yeah. Maybe, and I, my experience leads me to believe it's actually, it's actually more than that. Could be, but let's, let's just use half a second because it works with the math of the point I'm trying to make. Okay. That, seem, that seems to be the industry standard. Okay. So half a second. So to have, to have a team of four by four where you have guys, you have four guys averaging under 50 seconds would really be like 318 five right? That'd be 50 second lead off and then three forty nine five splits. Okay. Right. We had zero teams in Indiana last year that had four guys averaging under 50 seconds. If you take into account the running start of a four by four, we right. had zero. And we only had like six or seven that averaged under 51 seconds per guy. Taking into account the yes. half second. We only had one girls team under 355 in the four by four last year. We had, we had a handful of others under four minutes, but only one girls team under 355. Like when you, when you compare those, so, you know, we talked about maybe you could explain some of it through by COVID. I think that's, I think that's fair, but you have 16 girls teams in Indiana last year that broke 49. And I would, I would say 49 and 355, 356 are pretty comparable performances and only had, one or two teams. Can you say that again? You had how many teams run under that? 16 under 49 16. 16 girls teams. One, one, six, one, six. Not six, 16, 16, 16 schools. And only one broke 355, which I think are pretty comparable performances. That's, that's a, that's a big, that's a big variance there. We only Do had 11 you... girls in Indiana last year under 58.5 in the open quarter, the whole season. Do you buy my theory that the hardest thing to find on a four by four is someone that can lead off really well maybe but that's only because we have so few good 400 meter runners which is essentially what a lead off of a four by four is is an open 400 with the baton in your hand and you give the baton to somebody at the end so yeah i think a lead off for four four is really hard to find because i think good 400 runners are hard to find the well the one the one difference between the open 400 and the four by four would be you've got more blinders on leading off. You've got more blinders leading off a four by four than you would in the open 400 because you never make up the stagger. Sure. Yeah. Three turn stagger. So you, so it's, yeah. So that, that's what makes it harder. Although if you've got somebody that can really burn people up, then, then he or she can really run. Do you, what do you think about the Ken Browner strategy of relays? We just put your best, especially the four by four, we just put your best kid first. Yeah. I, I like it in four by four because you, because, in the four by four, since it's a three turn stagger, putting your best kid first maximizes their time, maximizes the advantage you have with having that athlete, because there isn't going to be anybody in their lane unless if there is something has gone wrong, 
um, they, you know, Seen it, happen. It, it does happen sometimes. Um, but you like there's there is no there's like there are far fewer factors that could they're not going to get tripped they're not going to get cut off they're not going to you know get bumped into where in any other leg they could where so i i like it put your first kid out front the four by four your fastest kid you're guaranteed to be in the race um you're guaranteed to maximize and, and that's probably going to be somebody who's very comfortable in an open four situation which is obviously very similar to a four by four leadoff so let's go, let's go hypothetical here. You are the doctor. Okay. Three teams at the HSR finals separated by less than half of a second and two teams separated by a hundredth of a second. Fishers, Carmel, Plainfield. Now Plainfield's got two stars. The two best 400 runners in the state go to Plainfield and Fishers, Fishers and Plainfield, whatever, whichever order you want to say, right? Okay. If you're the coach throwing you in here, hypothetically, you have to take a year to teach, obviously, at these schools because they're highly, yeah. highly achieving academic schools. And so you've done that, and you're the, you're the coach this year. Do you run – if you've got one of those two kids from Fishers or Plainfield, do you run your best guy first? Do you, do you entertain that idea? Yeah, I entertain it. I'm not sure. It, it depends. So, like, I think if, you're, I think if your best kid is also your, your best competitor – and Imagine they are at those schools, right? I mean, okay. they're that fast. Okay, so so hear me out. If your best kid is also your best competitor and just closes in a close race and gets the job done, then I think you would entertain them be, as your anchor saying, it's going to be a close race. I want my best competitor battling it out at the end of the race. Like in 2010 for us, that is what we did. Our, our best kid that year was a kid named Kendall Frederick who was just, just a competitor, closed well, almost never lost a close race. We put him on the anchor lake because we said it is everybody else's job to put him in a position where he can win this race for us. And, and that's exactly what happened. But there have been years where we put our best kid on the, on the leadoff, like you said, Ken likes to do there at Carmel. Um, so it, it depends on your kids a little bit, but I, I certainly have no problem in a four by four putting your best kid out, out front and saying, we're going to, we got to be in this because so much of the – there's two things about the 4 by 4 that I think are just huge. One, you've got to be in it right away, okay? You can see, if, you were, if you were on the Zoom, you can see my finger up. There's, that's point number one. you got to be in it. If, if you have a poor leadoff and you're two seconds down when you break on the back stretch of that second lap, you're in trouble. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter who you've got. You're in trouble. And can you come back? Especially accentuated yeah. indoor, right? Yes, especially, especially indoor. Because your kids are going to go out way too hard – they're going to, they're not at that point of the season, they're really not ready to handle, you know, going out in, in the speed they're going to end up going out in naturally to try to catch up. And they're end up going to, they're end up going to fade more in the last 50, 75 meters. You know, you know what, you know what time that is, right? That's after 40, after seconds. 40 seconds. Yes. Okay. So they're going to fade in that last like 50 to 75 meters. And now instead of being two seconds down, you're three and a half seconds down because they were absolutely bankrupt trying to do too much to catch up too quick. They didn't run the proper race and they end up losing more time. And that just, it becomes it is like, it's a snowball, right? It just keeps every, every leg, it happens more. So one, you got to be in it right away. And then the second point, which is just the same point in, in just a different way of saying it is you, yes, two, you have, you, you've got to finish the last 50 meters of each four by four leg 
are so vital if you're trying to if you're trying to win a big race. If you don't have if you lose a second, second and a half, which is very easy to do once you hit lactic acid, once you start rigging up, particularly if you run, you know, other races that day. I see it every year. You go to the state four by four and a kid will rig up in the last girl overboard will rig up rig up in the last 50 meters. And they'll they'll lose two or three seconds in the last 50 meters. And it seems like no, yes, they do. Like put a clock on it. It's so important to be in the race wide right away and to have each leg to emphasize that you, the way you finish your leg sets up your, the next teammate for success or failure. You're doing one of the two and it's your job. If you, if we're trying to win as a relay, it's your job to make that happen. So then do you buy the Colin Altavote theory? Don't, don't let the name fool you that this kind of training you're talking, I mean, more aerobic, more volume, more distance. It's even more important on the girl's side, right? Cause you're talking up to 20 seconds after yeah. 40 versus 10 to 12 seconds for the boys. Yes. I a hundred percent agree with that. You see this in other sports where the, you're not a big NBA guy. Uh, this is a source of some of our disagreements via text, but like we're every, everybody seems to go one way on something like now it's all spacing and shooting and, and three pointers and things like that, that maybe there's more room to zag and see success. Although I suppose it's not really the case because we're not really talking about teams against teams, right? Matchups against matchups. We're talking about training versus human physiology that like, this has got to open up the door for a school that's going to do more volume, more of the Derek Leininger, Colin Altavote school of training to be competitive in the four by four, right? Over the next yeah. couple of years until the, until it snaps back to more aerobic training. I, I think, I think coaches and athletes who are willing to do more volume and more strength-based 400 meter training are going to beat the athletes and coaches who are not willing to do that. And we see it in cross country too. It's, it's just a different scale. Like there are coaches who are like, well, you know, I, I would never have my kids do this or and it's like you can say that if you want, but Carmel keeps winning state championships. Columbus North. Well, not this year. I'm, I'm, not yeah. this year. Yeah. 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 But like the programs that are willing to put the, the programs that are saying, you know, like we're going to go run six mile, you know, tempo runs hard. We're going to expect our kids to hold a solid effort for an extended out, out. period of time and be and be very uncomfortable. And that's well past 40 seconds, six miles, by the way. We're going to ask him to be very. I've never seen Colin Tyson do that. <laughs> He's, okay, fair point. But like coaches who are going to ask their athletes and athletes who are willing to do that, they're going to they're going to be they're going to overachieve. Now, I'm not going to say that they're going to win a state championship because you still have to have a lot of factors come together to to win a state championship in in any relay or any team sport. But I'm saying I'm saying the the athletes and coaches are willing to do that, and I'm I'm. I'm just, I'm a firm believer in this. So if I'm, if I seem too dogmatic, I apologize, but I just, I feel like we're not doing athletes a service when we tell them it's okay. You don't have to work that hard. You'll still be great. It's not true. That's not life. That's not real life. I totally agree with everything you're saying, but I'm actually thinking you're starting to get into the secrets and giving them away that it's going to be non-beneficial to my team. So let's move on. Okay. You're kind of up there on your high horse. So, uh, How's it feel to go from the fastest four by eight to the fourth fastest four by? Did you feel a tremor on Saturday evening as your as your state record four by eight went down? 
Not until you not until you texted me and ruined my night. Or pull one out for the homies. <laughs> my so my so my text to Derek was, hey, we ran under we ran under the record. And then the next text was, but we got third. <laughs> Which means that we we went from number one all time to number four all time in the boys indoor four by eight. Which is perfectly fine. I'm number fine. one flat track though. Yeah. So that was I was gonna say we're still number one on two important categories. Okay. <laughs> we're still number one. Two made-up categories, by the Two way. Two made-up categories. One, on flat tracks, we're still number one. <laughs> okay, yeah. That's a, and two, yeah, that's more importantly, in my heart, we're still number one in both of those categories. Okay, one of those is a real thing. The other <laughs> one doesn't matter at all. <laughs> my heart is real. Okay, yeah, no, that is, yeah. I wish people right. would stop saying that. Um, <laughs> this is the third time today. <laughs> so, what, actually, so, so, that, so that 753 team... Um, your dad and I coached that team together. They were they were really pretty. So awesome. actually, that's an interesting point, which is four of the top four indoor four by eights ever. Two of them were in the same family, and two of them are on this podcast. <laughs> Unfortunately, it was the slower two of those. Yep, yep. So yeah, so your dad and I coached together at Snyder um, when you were in in college and when you were first you know a young teacher. And uh, we had some really good four by fours and four by eights there for for a number of years. Um, it's it's just so as good as our team was back in 2012. It's it's hard. And and props to props to Columbus Northwest Field Carmel. You guys rocked it. It's just it's hard to hey, it's hard to yeah you're welcome. It's hard to believe though that like Columbus North was almost seven seconds faster than us. Like they were almost two seconds a guy faster than our team that that previously held the record ten you know ten years old, but. And I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure that the uh, bank track matters no, that much. It's not the bank track. Now, if you want to, if you want to go runner. the difference between Carmel and <laughs> Snyder, there three tenths of a second, then holler at your boy. But uh, yeah, so I would still say we're third. We're we're bronze. Yeah. Um, okay. But uh, but no, like that's crazy. Seven forty six indoors is in is insanely good. So I'm um, I'm really excited to see what what you and uh, Westfield and Columbus North run outdoors because you know I. We when we were we had some really good teams. We had three years in a row where you know, we were running the 740s, a couple of you know 741, 742 on two of those years, and we always we we're always trying to break 740, and we never could. Um, only once, my right, only Lawrence Central was the only team that's ever done run. I think a, I think a Carroll team did it at the national meet. Oh, that's right. One of those years. Okay, so so with but talking, Snyder never did. You are one pathetic did. loser. No offense. We never did. We tried. We really tried hard. Um, but uh, you also know, like break a 740 is like historically great. If you can run 746, 748, you know, 752 indoors, I think all three of those top teams, like, why would they not be able to to approach 740 this year? I mean, what, what was your thing? Like the, the 18 second rule, 24 second yeah, rule? Yeah. So like it, it, it depends on how you train too. Okay. So like if you're doing a lot of speed early, then my conversion changes. Okay. Nice. But if you're not, if you're Carmel and you're running 752 indoors, um, I, I think it's between four to six seconds per boy. Okay, if, so Cole Matisse and 151 no, point. Oh, no, okay. no, no, right, I already have right, my finger up where you even right. started. That doesn't count if you already ran a 151 split. I'm talking for the middle of the middle it's of the goal. That's fine. If you're at if you run 204 to 205 indoors, you should be able to break two by the time that the outdoor season ends. If you run two flat indoors. You ought to be a 155 range, 156 split by the state meet. 
I'm, I, I would give you four to six seconds per runner. And so if you're running seven, if you're running 746 to 750 indoors, um, you, you should be, I mean, you should be under 740 outdoors. So and you guys might, so like, but if you have a really crazy fast split, like a 151 Cole Matisson, he's not going to run 145. You know, you might, you might only get like two seconds out of him because he's already performing at such an elite level that his, his room for improvement is just not going to be as great as somebody running, you know, a, a couple of tiers down. So a lot of those teams too, the four by eight comes first at the state meet outdoors. Yeah. And those teams, certainly two of them, right. Those are the top two distance runners in the state. I, I would imagine for the boys, right. Cole yeah. shot out and Reese. Yeah. So those coaches have decisions to make about where to put those guys. Those are also got to be, I'd imagine, the top two PRs over 1,600 meters and the top two PRs over 3,200 meters. And if you count four light splits, then, then two of the top three over 800 meters, right? Mm -hmm. So you were always a big-time relays guy. Your teams finished at Snyder a couple second places in the four by eight. I don't know, three or four in the top five. Uh, first and a second in the four by four. Maybe some other podium teams there. Make, make the case to run the relay if you've got kids on your team like like Reese or Cole, or even if you've got uh, kids like HSE has. They can make it or score at the state um, meet in their individual events. I, I, Those may I, not be the same thing. Those may be two different categories. So I can't do it. I wouldn't do that. If, if oh, I had, okay. that's uh, I so I, maybe that's not what you expected. So the reason we, the reason we always loaded the four by eight was twofold. One, that's, that's the type of runners we had. We had, we, we did a really good job of developing our 400 and 800 runners. We always had 400 guys on our four by eight, which even which reinforces my soapbox that you've got to give 400 runners more volume. What you're doing is you're creating, you're, you're creating, you're limiting your options for your four by eight because your 400 guys are not properly trained. Okay. What, what's, I, we, what's volume? What's volume? You had two kind of 154, 155, 800 guys who were yeah. also mid 48s in the open or, yeah. or 47 splits. What's volume? Yeah. What are they doing? What's their they, longest run? They're doing they're doing up to sixteen by two hundred early in the season. Um, How fast? Pretty close to thirty by you know by by February. How much we, rest? Uh, two minutes. Then a little a little more every four. We try to break it up into sets, so like maybe an extra minute every after every. And four. I'm asking you these questions. Obviously, I know the answers to this because yeah. this is exactly what we were doing when I coached four hundred. Yeah, and so and what so what you end up doing is and. And you think about like a, a guy that can run, you know, 47 or 48, you know, 30 to 32 seconds in a 200 is not fast. Like that's not hurting them. They're, they're not, they're not going anywhere near all out to run that. So I heard a coach say this one time, I, I want to get your rebuttal, even though I've already heard this, but the 200 people that listen to this podcast weren't privy to our conversations via text, you know, four years ago, I heard a coach say one time, well, you're not practicing to run a bunch of 400 slow. So why would you practice doing it in training, in practice? 
We well, the same concept is in cross country. Why would you ever run? You know, why would Cole Matisse ever run seven minute pace when he's supposed to be racing at four forty pace? Because that's not that's not how it works. Because what what you're doing is you're creating a base so that for two for multiple reasons. One, um, so that as the season goes, that you can you can do more intense workout later in the season, and that's where your performances really come. Like it's if if we're gonna use like like a pyramid, just an image of a pyramid, the the wider the base, the higher the peak, right? Like just like I know that seems simple, but like that's what it is. If you don't start till February and you never really put a solid base under your 400 meter athletes, then you shouldn't really expect them to run much faster in May than they do in March or April. Like they're you're you're not you're not really leading them anywhere. Um, that's a pretty small pyramid if it has a pretty if it has a pretty limited base. But also then second, you're allowing them to be be an option for you in the four by eight. You're allowing them to have better fitness so they could double or even triple as you get later into the season. If you're going to run like a four by eight open four four by four, which we had we had a number of guys do that, or four by eight four by four. Um, you're you're giving your you're giving your athlete what they need so as the season progresses. So yeah, we're talking about 16200s. I'm not talking about that, doing that in May. We're talking about doing that early in the season. Then as the season goes, you you decrease the volume, you increase the intensity, and you start to move your way up the pyramid, right? And like till you get to the last few weeks of the season, you're doing short, fast stuff, you're spiking up. You're doing full recovery. What are, well, give and, me some examples, tangible examples of those workouts. Okay, so like we talked, we talked earlier about a forty-second rule. I would, I would try to get my athletes doing really fast stuff as far beyond forty seconds as possible. Okay, so, so like, for go ahead for, for girls, we're talking three hundred meters is a pretty good distance. Um, for boys, we're talking three fifty. Like how many times? Use, like three, three or four of those. Um, how much rest? full recovery. I mean, like 10, 15 minutes, let them walk around, let them get water. They, if they're spiked up, let them take their spikes off, put them back on. Who cares? Like that the recovery doesn't really matter at that point. It is how fast, how fast are your boys running those three fifties? Um, so like at their 400 pay, like give, give yeah, me a three fifty doesn't matter. Give me a time that they're coming through 300 in on those three, three fifties. Under, under 40 seconds. I mean, like, 30 come through 38 39 and then just trying to hold on as best you can so we're talking you know they're running is they're under 50 seconds for 450 um which is pretty fast i mean that's that's a pretty that's a pretty intense workout so really you're trying to run can you run 350 around or faster than you could run 400 in a race multiple times so is it 400 race pace no but it's it is teaching your body a very similar thing to get beyond 40 seconds to keep pressing that extra 10 seconds or, or 15 seconds, whatever more you can push beyond 40. And then to do that multiple times, you're teaching your body to handle that huge rush of lactic acid that is inevitably going to hit you on the home stretch of that 400 meter or four by four, whatever it is. And that's true for girls, that's true for boys, that's true for high school, that's true for professionals. You, you, can't, you can't stop it. You can't, you can't prevent it. The race, the 400 meter race is too long to escape it. So the best thing you can do is teach your body how to handle it, how to buffer the lactic acid as best as you can so that you slow down the least. 
in the final 100 meters. And that's really what the 400 is at any level, slowing down the least in the home stretch. That's who wins the 400. Are you doing any kind of like extended distance running with these kids? So it depends on, do we see them as an 800 option? If Let's so, say three or 400 guys. Yes. Yeah. So like 400 guys, if we see them as like a, as a, as like a four by eight candidate, like a varsity four by eight candidate, then yes, they're going to be doing uh, like two, maybe even two and a half mile tempos. They're going to be doing like some 800 meter repeats, kind of like simulating like a VO2. How, how fast, how fast are they doing those tempo runs? Um, I mean, under six minute pace, like, yeah, I mean, they're, they're not, they're not, uh, you know, they're not running 520 pace or anything crazy, but they're running, I mean, they're running 10 yeah, miles an hour. That's pretty fast. Um, and then they're going to run some eight, like some long intervals, you know, like three by 800 or four by 600, um, stuff like that, which, you know, if somebody listening thinking, you know, that's crazy. It's like, okay, well, it, maybe it is, but it works and it prepares them to run really fast in May in both the four and the eight. Now, I, I would never try to tell somebody that I'm a, that I'm a sprint coach expert. If you're talking about the 100, 200, four by one, I, I don't have expertise. I don't pretend to. So to those people, I might sound like a crazy person, but, but I, know what, I know what the physical demands of a 400 are. That was an event that I ran. I was a 400, 800 runner. Uh, those were my best events in high school. Those, te- those were the best events I coached, which isn't surprising because that was, you know, kind of my background, my passion. And it, it just, I, I really think that we undertrained 400 meter runners. And I, we, we were only going to do it for one segment. And you, you reeled me back in here again, Colin. I, I, I got you going. <laughs> so what yeah. about, what about long runs? You got a four, a primarily 400 guy. You might use them on the four by eight, maybe for the state me. What? Are they doing a long run? Um, maybe a few, but those are going to be real rare. And those would be like maybe 30 or 40 minutes at a, just a nice, easy pace. They're going to do a lot of 15, 20 minute runs, um, particularly like in between workouts. Like if we're going to go hard Monday, and then we're going to have a meet on Wednesday. Um, you know, we're going to do like a 20 minute, you know, run on Tuesday. And then we're going to do some, uh, some strides or, you know, something kind of faster t- turnover stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, how many 400 teams in indiana have athletes running 20 30 minute runs probably probably not that many to you know as a percentage um but i i think i think they need it i think they need it that's my that's my opinion from experience it's my opinion from the research i've read that's my opinion from seeing what the best collegiate professional athletes do you know some of some of the what i would call gimmicky training that we see in high school it doesn't exist in like major colleges like major colleges are like we're not doing that. That's, that's not how you get kids to run fast. Um, but we, for whatever reason, we accepted the high school and say, this is what we're going to do. And it's, it's, it's just not what is best for the athlete. I did. I did hear a coach one time at a coaching clinic. And this is like one of those kind of national type coaches. And he said, when he went to college on the first day, they call him in like August, September, whatever. And they're like, Hey, you got to go to cross country practice. He's like, I'm not on the cross. What are you talking about? I run the 400. I'm not on cross country. And they were like, well, you're on scholarship. So you're going to do what we tell you to do and made him go. And he's like, and then I just moved to the 200. And so, and I, I hate doing that kind of stuff. So I don't make my kids do it or whatever. And he's got this whole system. That's not about doing any kind of distance running. And I just remember, I think I, I'm sure I texted you about this after the fact, this was years ago. I remember thinking like, 
Now, wait a minute. He went to a, I won't say what school, but he went to a major college with a major program. It's like, ah, maybe they knew what they were doing. Yeah. They had you out running. Yeah. Well, so, and, and so like your, your school, Colin, right. Um, shout outs, right. Shout outs to shout Colin. Out. But there, there are people I've heard them and I'm not sure if you're aware of this. There are people who unfairly criticize your training program and say, ah, I would never, I would never have my athletes do that. Well, they, I, I will and, say this now that you brought it up on, on the mic and it's, you know, eight 30 in the middle of, uh, potty training week at the Altavote household on a Tuesday of spring break. Like those people also don't know what they're talking about. Well, okay. But let, they're not let, at our, me, right. They're not at our practice. They don't, they saw one right. article maybe one time from Rick Weinheimer and they think that like, well, this is what they, or maybe they had a, a coach that thought they were doing Pablo training in the mid eighties or whatever, when you couldn't even meet during the summer in high school and think they know what we're doing in our practice. And they just don't, they just they don't. don't. Okay. They don't so know I, me. They don't, I, it's whatever. Go so ahead, I didn't, bro. I didn't mean to trigger you there. I was, I was, I was, I was, well, gonna, it's only fair since I got you going. Okay. So, but here, here's, here's my parallel. They would look at Carmel and say, oh, they make their kids do, you know, six mile tempos and they make them run these 10 mile runs at this pace. And, you know, so they're just, sick. they're just crazy. And well, first of all, we're not making our kids do it. The kids want to do hold it. On. Let me okay. finish. Let just let, let me finish here. Okay. You can't make somebody do anything. This is so, Guantanamo Bay. It's high school track. And then, and then we get texts about this segment. People are going to love it. Okay. And then they would say stuff like, oh, well, they're just, you know, they're just ruining the kids for college while Ben Veach is rocking IU, you know, every season. Okay. But here's, here's my point. All right. Well, there's another interesting point on that. Go ahead. Go here's, ahead. here's my point. And I think, I think this applies to cross country. Then this applies to track. I think it applies to a lot of performance-based sports. Life in general. Life in general. The person saying, I would never have my blah 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 wait, wait are you ready can i can i guess your next point yes because you can't convince it's a self-defense mechanism because you can't convince the kids to do that That's it's it. in their I, best interest to do it you're not saving them for anything you just don't have the gravitas man i'm i'm you got me riled up this is yeah this is yes. what happens when it's me and you it's not just like me and some other somebody else we've known each other for a very long time you were my assistant coach when i was in high school when I was a I was sophomore in high school, yeah. that was a long time ago. I don't mind telling you. Um, that's what it is, which is just, it's a self-defense mechanism for, well, I have the best interest of these kids at heart and I'm saving it. And here is the, the thing that I can project. The straw man of the coach at Carmel or Columbus North or wherever, and this evil person that's doing these things. And the truth is, I mean, you could, Scott Lidskin said this one time when I was talking about something like, there's nobody that would talk to some of these top coaches. I, top coaches, not necessarily the best coaches in the state, but at least the coaches of the biggest of the best teams that would talk to Rick Weinheimer or me or Rick Sluter or whoever that would come away from that conversation after three minutes thinking that we were evil jerks. It's just easy when you're sitting in your own place and you're trying to convince yourself or convince these kids that you're doing something that there are more kids at there are more kids in college now that went to Carmel, maybe like two to three times more of any other school across all four divisions. Actually, I'm not sure we have any D2 kids right now. But yeah, so go ahead. Okay, so yeah, you're right. That's that was part of my point. Uh, additionally, like when they're like, I would never, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna, you know, we're not gonna do this. My point would be fine, but you're also not gonna beat them. You're not gonna beat them. You're you are 
if, if you say we're not going to work as hard as they are, then you're not going to beat them. And that's, and this is true in running. This is true in, you know, whatever performance sport, this is true in life. This is true of your broke cousin trying to tell you how to invest your money in a family reunion. Dude, you're broke. You, why are you giving advice to anybody about money? You, you, you don't have any, like you're like, uh, my cousin works for Chase. So your cousin's probably yeah. doing all right. I, I didn't mean I did. That's not, that was, I'm sorry, Colin's cousin. Um, but like, it's just, it's just, it's kind of just interesting. I don't know, dynamic of people who are not succeeding, trying to give successful people advice. Yeah. Okay. I feel this uh, took a salt, this took a salty turn. I feel like, I feel like we're, we're a little too heavy. We need to, we need to talk about something. You know what? We got, we've got some lighter topics coming up. Yes. The break. Are you dealing with a running injury or in need of some treatment? Contact Jacob at Tempo Sports Rehab, conveniently located off of the Monon in the city center of Carmel, Indiana. Find out more information at temposportsrehab.com. And we're back. Okay. We're a little calmed down. We want to talk about more uh, widely available things, more uh, positive aspects of track and field. We're but fun. they're getting all riled up. We need, I'm sorry, people. We need more fun on the rest of this podcast. This is this is Fort Wayne's world. We'll do what we want. <laughs> all right. What about uh, the, the leading event, the deepest event right now? At least it appears that way. Of the 32 events that will be at the state meet, not the boys' shot put. I think that's number two. The girls' 3,200. Yikes. Okay. It's so be crazy. Here, here are my observations there. So – you know, you you gave some kind of historical data earlier. I I gra- this would be my 20th year out of high school. Okay, I graduated 2002. This is obviously 2022. So I said, I wonder what girls 3200 times were like when I graduated high school. So I went back and looked at the outdoor state track meet 2002. 1038 was the winner, Jessica Gall, West Lafayette. They she were, was awesome. She was, she was very nationally good. elite. She was very good. Three girls were under 11 and eight girls were under 11.15. Okay. So like, I think Adele Mitchell was like 11.16, 11.17 and, and she got the last medal. Just indoor. Fort Wayne. Fort Wayne. Fort Wayne's world. Party Just on. indoor this year, we had three girls between 10.11 and 10.13, which is insanely good. Like it's hard to even... It, it would be hard to overstate how amazing that is, but that's not it. In addition to them, you end up having seven girls total under 11 minutes. You had 15 girls under 11:15 indoors this year. So compare that to like a state meet a generation ago, the girls indoor this year would have pushed almost everybody off the, the podium stand from 20 years ago at the June outdoor state meet. It's just, it is like, we've, we've talked about it on this podcast. I know you've talked about it in other, you know, in other episodes, the depth, the, the, both the, both the up top performances, the elite individual performances and the depth 
of girls distance runners in Indiana over the last five years has just, it's been exponentially better. We have, we are, we are now to the point where we have in, we have individual female distance runners in Indy, Indiana every year that you could talk about for national championships, whether it be in cross country or, or various track events. Like it is just, and, and we're, it might not even be the same. We're not even talking about like Lily Cridge, who obviously is, is unbelievable. We're talking about three other athletes, not named Lily Cridge, ran 10, 11, 10, 12, 10, 13. The it girl is, that broke uh, the indoor 3200 record was fifth at the state meet in cross country. Yeah. And she okay, ran so, well to finish fifth. So here, and this, Colin, you'll just be like, that makes sense to me. Okay. Um, like if I were a, if I were like when I was in high school and I was running, I like, I ran the 3200 a lot as a freshman um, because I just, I wasn't quite strong enough yet to run some of the middle distance races. And I ran 1015 as a freshman. That was my PR. And I didn't really get to run it much after that. So I never, I never improved on my PR. I became more of a four, eight guy by the time I graduated. But I, I wouldn't even, I like, I would be the fifth best girl right now based like based on my high school PR. There are multiple high school girls today that are better than I was. And I was a pretty decent runner at yeah, that past, past tense. Past, I was, I'm not, now it would be like every girl in Indiana would beat me. Okay. So I'm not talking about today. I'm not talking about like my PRs, like these girls are just wrecking any PRs that I would have ever set. And that's, and, and not that it's about me, but it's just like, when you start, when you see high school girls just rocking at that level, you're like, man, this is awesome. They're, they are, they are on another level than what they, than what they have been, you know, previously. What do you think it takes to medal this year at the state meet and the 3,200 for the girls? Oh man. Um, so, so meddling, so we're talking about going down to nine deep, right? So meddling is top nine. Yes. Yeah, I mean, 10, 10, 35, maybe it's, Seriously? it's hard. To, you think so? Well, I, I mean, you got to think about, okay. So the, the girl that ran what, 10, 13 or 10, 14, Addison Wiley. Yeah. She's not going to run the 3,200. Oh yeah. So it might, it might drop more like to 1045. And then, but that's still you know, like, so Kennedy, um, Farley, uh, although I don't know if she ran the 3,200 indoors at all. She's, she's more of a mid-distance type. Right. I, don't, I, doubt, um, I doubt she runs 3,200 in the tournament. You know, does Cridge run the 1,600? Does Canablo run the 1,600? How, how does that impact it? Okay. So if you're asking me what will be the ninth best performance in the state this year, I would, I'd be more confident in saying 1040, maybe, maybe a tick faster. If you're saying what's actually going to medal, what's going to medal at the state meet, it might, that'll it might probably be, more, be slower, right? It might be more like 1045, 1050 because not all those girls are going to be in there. But what do you think is ninth place at the Carmel showcase 3,200 on April 22nd? Email me if you got any questions, but just enter on mile split. <laughs> um, ninth at that race. I'll bet it's under 11. I bet, I bet it's under 11 minutes at your race. I mean, almost everyone's going to be there, right? I, I assume. I mean, it's your world, man. I just live in it. Fort Wayne's world. Fort Wayne's world. But, you at one so, time. Go ahead. Just to sum up that, to sum up that topic, girls, distance running, Indiana, awesome. They're so good. You at one time were a head track coach. I was. This is Indiana runner. 
It's not indianatrack.com. <laughs> but let's talk overall track because it's track and field. Yeah. So how important are field events to win some of these meets? That's a great question, Colin. Glad you asked. So you when, 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 I was, when I was a head track coach, there were really only two team championships that we really cared about. And, and I, don't, I don't mean that to, you know, to sound like elitist or we, we were trying to win our conference meet and we were trying to win the sectional title. Those, those were big deals for our school. You win either one um, at Snyder High School. You get your picture, your, your team picture up on the wall. So we're saying those, those are the two big ones for us. And so when you think about like a conference or sectional meet, the format is essentially identical. You get to enter one relay team. You get to enter two individuals. There are 29 ways to score points in a conference or sectional format. Okay. 10 of them are field events. Roughly There's one two, third. A little bit over one third. There's 264 points that you could score. If you went one, two, one, two, one, two, and you won all three relays, you would score 264 points. 90 of those potential points are field events. Okay. So when you say how important are field events, the answer is very, if you, do you want to win a team title? I assume the answer is yes then you need to find a way to coach up and score points where nobody's paying attention. The field events, I mean, and this, sound, this sounds harsh, but it's true. People aren't watching the field events that much. They're, they're slow developing. It's not like the field event doesn't happen in, you know, 12 seconds, like a hundred meter dash does, or even in five minutes, like a mile does. It happens flight by flight, trials, then finals, you know, you compile the results at the end and you're like, oh, hey, we, we went one, two in the shot put. That's pretty great. That's 18 points. And, and, it's, and it, it's easy to overlook. I've been to a number of track meets where, you know, like somebody would speculate, oh, well, so-and-so so is, is winning the meet. And it's like, no, they're not. You, you didn't see the fact that this other school scored 32 points in the shot and disc combined. That's, that was huge. They're, they're ahead by 20 points. Um, so... If you want to, if you want to win team championships, because it is track and field, you, you got to have field events. You, you've got to develop vertical jumps. You've got to develop throws. You've got to develop long jumpers. If you can do those things, you're already a third of your way on to a team championship. Do you remember the year the Lawrence Central girls won the state meet without scoring any points on the track? I don't, I don't remember that, but it, what year was that? Oh gosh, late O's or early teens. Okay. There was a so year I, where LC won and they it was all field events. <laughs> Which I yeah, I didn't have that. I'm like, but that's that's exactly right. I mean, that's now in a state. So I use the example of conference and sectionals because I think those those are the two, in my opinion. I'm a, maybe maybe I'm biased, but those are the two meets where I say that is the best overall track team. Because like in a state finals. There have been years like where you have a couple superstars on a particular team and then they get they win or they're like, you know, second or third. And it's like, well, that that doesn't necessarily mean they were a, a great overall team. They just they were set up to score well in the state meet format. But if you win your conference championship or you win a sectional, those those to me, those are the two races that that is the best overall track and field team wins at that level. Regional state 
it becomes more about your elite individuals or relay teams. But conference sectional, it's about it's about depth. It's about scoring two in every event. This is where your your you know your forty five foot shot putter, if he can score some points, is a is a big deal. Where they're certainly not going to score any points in like a regional or state meet. Obviously, um, I mean it's I I just really love conference and sectional team titles because those I think are the are the best representation of who the best team is. There's a way for a hybrid state championship. Oh, in which have we talked about this? You and I, no, certainly on the like, podcast. Okay. I feel like it's about to go on the message board. Oh, okay. You ready? I'm yeah, ready. Yeah, for the 200 people listening to this, there's a way for a hybrid state championship in which individuals advance, but also teams can advance to compete in the next round as teams. In which case, you can still award nine medals deep per event but also score eight deep and crown a true team state champion. I don't think this would ever, this will never take off because there won't be enough because then it would have to be a large school team essentially that wins. Yeah. Although there, it's a large school team that wins all the time. Anyways. Isn't the biggest there, schools won four of the last six state championships in boys track. So f- forgive me if I'm mistaken, don't they have something like that in like swimming? Minnesota? Yes. <laughs> well, I was going to say Minnesota. I would say like in Indiana swimming, don't they have like a team and individual tournament? No. Is that wrong? It, no. You're thinking of the old wrestling and they got, they got rid of that. And the wrestling now, the wrestling tournament now goes in the same way that the track tournament goes. Okay. They dance individually, they score eight deep and they just add it up. They used to have a true team. So they'd have the whole team thing. And then they go back and do the whole individual tournament. And they got rid of that because the season lasted too long. Sure. Minnesota does have a true team state champion. Interesting. But it happens. It's also Minnesota, right? So it doesn't get warm till like May 15th. So it doesn't matter that their season goes an extra two weeks. Doesn't matter. All right. Are you ready? Yep. We keep individual advancement the same. Three individuals per event plus callbacks to round out the field from the sectional and the regional and the regional and the semi-state. Now, here's where you're potentially adding a couple heats at the state meet. Every team at the beginning of the tournament puts in their three, three individuals and eight on the relays. The top two teams from the sectional advance their entire teams to the regional, regardless of place at the regional, but they must select their individuals at the sectional and the regional from those list of three names. Got it? Sort of. So individuals advance through the tournament and also Eight whole teams advance, two teams per sectional to the regional. Okay. 16 sectionals, eight regionals, right? Okay. So at this point, there are 16 teams alive at the regional round. Per region. No, that's not true. Yes, per region, 16 teams alive. Same thing, from the regional to the state meet, top three plus callbacks to round out a field of 27. And then on top of that, 
the winning team advances their entire team to the state meet. The state meet then has eight complete teams. You must be on one of those eight teams to score. We'll score it the way we would score a conference meet. 10, 8, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. On top of that, then there would obviously be individual races. But say a kid like Reese Kilbarger Stump, he's in the 1600 and the 800, and maybe he's on their team's relay or whatever. He's he's racing the 1600. He could be the state champion in the 1600 or the 800. But he's scoring against the kids whose teams are also there, the way you would score at the conference meet. So, I mean, that's that's like not exactly, but that's how we do cross country. Like, right. It's bringing, it's, this is my this is my idea that it's way too complicated they would never adopt this kind of system but it would certainly it would certainly reward the best team because for like, instance one year at carmel we won the state meet and i don't remember exactly how many points we scored but i do remember it was something along the lines of one kid won the 1600 and the 800 one kid won the pole vault a kid finished third or second in the three hundreds. And then we had like a kid get seventh and something and a four by eight get like seventh and something. And that that's it. That one. Yeah. Was that the best team? I don't know if you do this whole system, maybe we still had the best team because of our depth, but is that really the best team? Well, yeah. So that's kind of a, there's, there are some clear examples of that was not the best team. I mean, if you take a bus to the state meet with four or five kids on it, and you end up winning. Is that the best team? Most elite team. Right. But so then the question is, how do we measure what the best team is? The way, the way that you just said it. Potentially. Yeah. That's, I mean, Although, that's, I mean be... to be, to be fair in basketball, if you have the best player, right? Like the, the new Albany team that I don't think they won, but they advanced pretty far when they had Romeo Langford. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's, that, that is my idea. There's a way okay. to do that. There, there, that would never be accepted. There's no way. I would accept it. Well, right. But you and I are kind of outside the box thinkers. You got that. Let, goal. Me, let me know when you become the IHSA commissioner and I'll be in your no. office every week. It's about I've 15 not, minutes. I've not, heard a call, I've not received a call back yet. <laughs> well, it's not open. So <laughs> that might be part stop, of the problem. Probably stop contacting them. There you go. All right, here we go. Last topic. You and I do this often. We'll be around, we'll be a group of four people, and you'll be like, hey, let's make a, let's maximize is, the potential of this room. Let's make a DMR. Yes. Who runs what leg? Okay. I've got four of them. I got five of them for you two boys, two girls, and then a miscellaneous. Okay. The miscellaneous is all. So, so what we're going to do is you're going to give me four people's names. I'm going to think about it for a second and tell you. I'm going to put this person at the 1200 leg, 400, 800, 1600 leg, and I'm going to try to justify why. Okay. You ready? Yes. Okay. Here's four. The top four from the state meet in cross country this year for the girls, Lily Cridge, Nikki Sutherland, Sophia Kennedy, and Gretchen Farley. Maximize okay, so, that DMR. All right. So I want to let everybody at, know at, that. At the height of their powers. Yeah. Which is actually, so, for most of them, it's probably like next year. So Cridge, Sutherland. Juniors. Um, Kennedy, Cridge, Sutherland, Kennedy, and Farley. So the two girls from Park Tudor, and then the top two from the state. Okay. Meet. Okay. 
So the way I the way I typically start this is just straight up who's who's my fastest 1600 leg. That's the longest event. I want to try if I can. I want to try to put my best runner there because that's going to give me the most the best time. In this case, I'm not sure. I I think I go. Well, I think I'm going to go Cridge on the 16. Okay, I got it. Okay. So it's going to be, I'm going to lead off with Sutherland on the 12. Um, she has shown great depth or great performances at the 8 and 16. I'm going to go, I'm going to go Farley on the 400. I think she probably has just the best flat out speed of these four. Then I'm going to go Kennedy on the 8 and Cridge on the 16. Because I think Cridge is probably just maybe is the better 1600 runner. I think Kennedy's probably better at the eight than Cridge is. So I think I think maximizing it would be Sutherland 12, Farley 4, Kennedy 8, Cridge 16. Okay, ready? Four mid-distance legends. Four guys that have at least one 800 meter state championship. Okay. Austin Mudd, Cooper Williams, Eugene Ellis, and Michael Taylor. Eugene Ellis, I have not heard that name for a while. Eugene Ellis was, I think he's a year younger than me or a year behind me in school. He was, he was the big guy when I was in school. Okay. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go Mud and Taylor on the 12 and 16. I'm, I'm, oh, are you going to go Mud on the 12? I don't know yet. I'm going to keep, okay. I'm going to, it's, it's clear to me that Mud and Taylor are the long legs. Williams and Ellis are the short legs. I think I'm going to go. Mm, I'm not sure about that. Uh, I, in my mind it is. Okay. I, I'm looking at. I think I'm gonna go mud on the 12, Taylor on the 16. That's that's wrong. So mud ran four flat, Derek. Taylor was a sub four split in in college. No, no, no. We're talking when they were in high school. Oh, when they're in high school? Yeah, when they were in high school. When they were in high school. I didn't know we were limiting it to that. Okay, then then Maybe, I'm gonna change. Yeah, when they were in high school. Then I'm gonna change it. Okay. I'm gonna I'm but I'm only gonna change Taylor and Mud. So Taylor 12. I still think LS4, wrong there. Okay. Cooper yeah. 8, Mud 16. Okay. All right, here we go. This is if this we're going is, if we're going all time, then I'm switching Taylor and Mud because I think Taylor just a, in in collegiately was just a tick better in the in the 16 than Mud. Right. Mud so we'll say we'll say though for these we'll say while they were in high school for the okay. purposes of this podcast because this is a high school right. Okay. Okay. Here, here's one I call the the twins. You ready? Okay. You got the Neely twins, Bethany and Brittany Neely. Yeah. While they were in high school. And then you've got Addison Wiley and Addison Canabla. They're not twins, but they're the same first name. <laughs> okay. Um, I thought about making it the Harris twins, and then I was like, well, they're actually two sets of identical twins. It's not very fun. Okay, so the Neelys and the Addisons. It's hard to tell because I'm not I'm not quite sure how good. Um, well, that's the hard part Canabla is if they're it, right, if they're still in high school. Canablo's got a lot of high school left, but you got to go with what she is now. Or, or you know what, Derek, it's your company. If you want to project ahead to how good she'll be in two years, then have at it. I try not to do that. Um, Live a little bit. Spring break. Spring break. It is spring break. I'm in, I'm in Wayne's world. Fort Wayne's world. Fort Wayne's world. Okay. So I, so I'm going to go Canablo 12, Wiley 16. I mean, Wiley, Wiley has a better 16 PR out of anybody in this group. Unless, Unless I'm somehow forgetting a Neely 1600 performance, but and maybe I am. Maybe I'm. 
Like did one of the Neelys run something crazy fast, like like mid four forties or Bethany Neely has the number two sixteen hundred, and I think Brittany Neely had the eight hundred record until it's kind of deluge of eight hundred okay. times over the last. Okay, was Neely like several years? Was that is that? Was that, that sound that sounds right now. Addie, Addie broke it pretty good this past spring slash summer. But, but also, but the Neelys were so fast in the 48, too. It's hard to pull them off of there. Right. Okay, so I think I'm going to go. I don't know. I, I'd, have to, I'd have to redo math. This is on the spot. So forgive me if this is foolish. I'm going to go Canablo 12, Brittany Neely 4, Bethany Neely 8, Addison Wiley 16. I can't argue with that. Okay, here's another one. You ready? Yep. Okay. This this is what I would consider to be the top four distance runners of the 21st century in Indiana high school for the boys. You, you want to know what leg I'm going to run? Okay. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll get into that later. Okay, ready? <laughs> the top four. Futsum. Mm -hmm. Ben Veach. Mm -hmm. Cole Hawker. Mm-hmm. Christian Wagner. And I'm limited to what, in they, what they in what they did, your perception of them when they were in high school. So that would obviously limit Hawker most of all. Right. I mean, he was yeah. the one that took off the most after high school. Oh, all yeah. of these guys had fine college and even professional careers. But Hawker is the one that took off. So when they were in at, high school, they're look at Hawker wearing a cathedral jersey, not representing our country in the Olympics. Correct. Okay, that's hard because he did. I, yeah, I know. We just saw it, so don't he's, don't be yeah recency bias here. Is, he's really fast, like right. Okay. When, right so, when they were in high school. Uh, man, send all your hate mail to Derek. Huh? Said send all your hate mail to Derek. Please send it's it not, via mail because obviously the internet hasn't quite gotten all the way up to Fort Wayne yet. My email address is C A L T E B O. <laughs> don't don't, don't even start. Um, this is a hard one, Colin, because there's no obvious, like, I mean, you, part of it I is there's just a throwaway on the 400, right? I, yeah, I either start with, okay, that's our 400 leg or that's our 1600 leg, but I don't. And one of these guys is much slower over 400 than the other three. One of these guys only ran like 55 seconds in high school. Okay. Well, so the, the best leg speed of the whole group is Hawker for sure. So I'm going to go ahead and just throw him on the four, even though this seems like we're wasting an Olympian. Um, we're going to go ahead and do it. Um, yeah, actually, I actually think that's probably okay there because he he never really did it. But well, what would he have been? Probably like a 48 low. Oh, yeah, he was crazy fast. Ben like, was like a 50 was, high. Footsome would probably be a 50 high, 50 mid. And Wagner, and again, the aforementioned 55. To come full circle, I'm pretty sure Hawker was doing sufficient volume to run a fast 400 in high school. So, um, all right. So foot, uh, so foot some. I'm gonna lead off Beach. I like I like Beach's I like his toughness out of the gate. Um, it's it feels like a waste, but I think I'm gonna go foot some eight and Wagner on the 16. I think I think you sacrificed Christian Wagner and put him on the eight. You think you go if not, if not even in the four hundred? He's like a he ran like one fifty eight in high school. Well, I don't know what what I don't know what Footsom's best time would have been. He's not on the leaderboards. 
I, I think I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep Flipsum on the eight, Wagner on the 16. Okay. All right. You ready? Yeah. One more, and then we'll get to the miscellaneous minute. We always say an hour. We're way over an hour. Eh, not, not that much. Um, just pause it and come back later. Spring Fine. break. Woo, spring break. Fine. What else are you doing? All right. What am I doing? Uh, no, what am I gonna do after this? I don't know. I might spin off my kitchen table or something. <laughs> potty uh, more potty training. Yeah, for my kids asleep, but obviously for me at this point. Oh, so it's your kids potty training. Okay. <laughs> 35 thought I'd make it easier on Kathleen. Um, <laughs> okay, the four Indiana runner guys in our primes, not necessarily <laughs> high school. You're on the uh, some, 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 some of our primes are in high school. All right, so that's in alphabetical order. It's me. Uh, this was easy. Derek Leininger, Scott Litzkin, and Drake Sterling. This is easy. Is it? Okay. All right. So, what is it? So you're on the floor because you're the third well, hole. <laughs> you trust? Is it you trust my leg speed? <laughs> oh, you what? Well, so then I'm on the eight. Were you I'm, were you I'm there to meet? Far, were you there to meet our fifty-two-nine? What's that? Were you there the meet I ran 52-9? No. I think he might have been the coach of Concordia then. <laughs> I don't think I was. <laughs> I, I, I don't was, think I don't hand, hand to God. I ran 52-9, but I ran against <laughs> I was I'm, the anchor of the sprint medley and I ran against Tra remember Travis White? Yes. <laughs> he was like a 48-second 400 guy. <laughs> I, to this day, I am convinced that Barry Peterson would find out what leg I was running and put Travis <laughs> White whenever I was. And I would just get dusted by this guy. Oh, Travis, could, switch, switch. <laughs> run, guy, run against a slow guy. This guy was the high jump state champion, but he could run like a good 400 or 800. He would just kill me. He just jogged behind me for 600. Find the slow kid. Open up. <laughs> okay. He was trying to get recruited. He thought he looked better against you. Running against the weird looking kid from Snyder. <laughs> Travis White was like, which one? There's four yeah, of them. Okay. <laughs> All right. So. It is clearly Drake on the 12. Drake is by far the best mid-distance among us. Scott is by far the best distance among us. You and I are obviously the throwaways, but me, I'm a slightly less throwaway than you. So you're on the four and I'm on the eight. Well, what was the fastest time you run? 157? 157. Okay, so 157 to 159. What's your best 400? 55? Yeah, 50, 51. Okay. All right, so there you go. You don't lose much time. I just... It, it means I, we've known each other for so long. We were we were reciprocal groomsmen in each other's weddings. Um, it means a lot. To, it means a lot to me that you respect my leg speed so much. You put me on the four hundred. <laughs> we've been through potty training together. <laughs> you doing it right now for yourself? I'm good. I thought, I thought it was about time. Dude. I figured that one out. All right, miscellaneous minute. Uh, you're one of my two hockey friends. The other one lives yeah. in Michigan, so it's hard to get in contact with them because they <laughs> they just got cable know. TV. Uh, people up there just started listening to Nirvana. It's hard. It's hard because of the eight months of snow they receive. <laughs> what's uh, what's happening in hockey? Uh, and I make it a real miscellaneous minute because we're talking hockey. Hockey. Okay. So the comments, the four wing comments, are actually. Um, <laughs> Doing pretty well. We've been How about working... the NHL, Derek. Oh, the NHL. Players. Okay. I thought we were talking about Fort Wayne's world. Um, so actually the comments are doing pretty well, though. They're second in the conference right now. So in the NHL, the Blackhawks are are they're rough. The only the best thing they had going for them this year was goaltending. And they what about my traded... team. Who's your team? 
Uh, well, it depends. I just pick whichever team I think is good. Oh, I have think? like 12 of them, but uh, the main one is the Buffalo Sabres. Okay, they're not good. They're uh, not good. Uh, um, so, yeah, they the Buffalo Sabres, they're better than they were last year, but that's only because statistically they had to be. <laughs> <laughs> nowhere to go but up they were so or, or sideways they're like hey forward progress it's like no it's just different and it had to be progress <laughs> so they're not good you so who's gonna win if vegas uh, no um it's it's all it's it's gonna depend on so like the trade deadline was a couple weeks ago it's gonna depend on some of these top teams that traded away to get some key pieces in the next month how well does that work like, does, does that star you picked up actually perform at the level you want them to? Because if they do, then all of a sudden you become a contender. What does chemistry um, matter in hockey? Uh, not, not, it's not the most important thing because coaches can manipulate lines. You know, not like, not like basketball. Yeah, and just say, like, these, you know, the, the chemistry of these three is good. It doesn't really matter if the chemistry of, you know, you don't have to, it's like in some sports, chemistry with the entire – you know, like the offensive line has to be good, right? Like right. The chemistry has to be there. Like in hockey, if it's not working, just switch. Say this center and this left winger, they're not on the same page. Let's just make a change in between periods. And, and you know, so it's not nearly as important. Um, but it certainly helps. Like when you have line mates who know where you're going to be and, and you can anticipate each other, you can score a lot more goals because it's hard to defend when yep. the defense doesn't know what you're doing, but you do. Okay, so here we go. I put uh, Andy and Scott on the uh, on the spot for NBA. And they both made their championship picks, both of which were the Warriors, which I, I don't think is going to happen. Um, all right, you you and I were going to make our NHL picks right now. Ready? Yeah. Okay. Who's going to win the? Who's going to who's going to hold up the Stanley Cup? Who's going to hoist it, Derek? One Colorado team. Avalanche. Okay, I pick Toronto Maple Leafs. No, no. Okay. <laughs> I didn't think about those favors. Hey, I like how bold you are with that pick. That's very bold. I knew I knew it wouldn't be Buffalo Sabres, and I knew it can't be Seattle Kraken. So I only had what 28 other options. Yep. So and I can't think uh, the one you picked. So you could have. I mean, it'd have well, been far more true. likely. Let's okay. hey before before we sign off, let's real quick see if if Vegas has the odds to win. And let's see what Toronto's odds are to win. All right, I'm pulling it up right now. I'm going to go to an unnamed gambling company, which it's legal in this state. If you're 21 or over, we're not endorsing it. We're just looking at the odds they set. And Stanley Cup. Well, Avalanche are the favorites. Hey. Oh, Maple Leafs are sixth. Yeah, they're not. They're not bad. Okay. But I would. I, I one time my dad and I went to. This, nobody's listening at this point, so we're in the skip ahead portion. They just <laughs> want to hear that song at the end. Um, we went to a Pacers game in Toronto and I was looking, they had like the Maple Leafs and the Raptors play in the same, like a lot of major cities, right? You have your hockey team, your basketball team play in the same arena. Yeah. yeah. And I said to my dad, like, I was looking at these banners and I was like, man, the Maple Leafs haven't won the title for like 50 years or whatever. And somebody, and this guy was like legitimately concerned for me, like kind of turned over and looked at me and goes, don't say that too loud. Don't let anybody else hear and you say that here. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, no, for real. Yep. They take it. Canada. They take it real serious. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, hey, thanks for coming on, Derek Leininger. You either love him, you hate him, 
or you think he's okay. I think I think the second camp might grow after after tonight's podcast. Hey, it makes you feel any better? I still think you're okay. <laughs> that does. That helps. All right, go Hounds.